It is the Nico and Chris Spares Post Game Wrap Up Podcast Show featuring Nico and just me. Uh, Nico, uh, no Chris, uh, just doing this on my own. It's a solo to um, really jump on top of all the news that's been going on the last two days at Hallis Hall and the last two weeks with the Chicago Bears. Uh, before we get forward, any you know, before we go any further, bleh, <laughs> let's uh, let me go ahead and uh, let you know that you can still find the show at NNC Bears Cast on Twitter and on Instagram, and anywhere you find podcasts like Apple, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and Anchor, which I'm using the Anchor app right now on my phone because my computer's not being you know cooperative at the moment so i will record now on the anchor app which is a great tool to have in a pinch okay so let's start with the last two days bears the chicago bears of the nfl um not just some regular old bears the chicago bears go out and they hire on tuesday they make their first hire they hire um ryan poles who is the I believe his title was executive player of personnel. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta double check and make, take a look at that again. Uh, he gets hired by the uh, Chicago Bears on Tuesday. This is a day or two after Joe Shane, who is a candidate that they interviewed, hired was hired by the New York Giants, uh, who was the assistant general manager of the Bills. So today, this morning, the early, early news about. Oh, maybe it was overnight it happened, but at least the first early morning news when I woke up this morning was that the Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, was hired by the Denver Broncos. And then all of a sudden, within a few hours, 10 a.m. Central Time, the Bears decided that they were also going to hire their head coach, Matt Eberflus, who is who was the defensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts. So... The pattern here I'm noticing really quick is that the Bears don't want to maybe feel like they're going to lose out on a guy. With Poles in particular, I think they liked Shane quite a bit. I don't know if it was enough to make him the, who he was the hottest GM candidate they liked. Supposedly with Poles, he was the guy that everyone really enjoyed, everyone really liked, everyone liked his game planning for how he was going to build the team and what his idea for drafting was, what his idea for scouting was. So there was a big plan, you know, his plan appealed to everybody that interviewed with him within the Bears. So, and remember that committee was led by Bill Polian, George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, Lamar Campbell, and, and um, Tanisha Wade. So it was a five-person panel, and both times they were really swept away with what Poles had to say. Now, Poles' history is pretty good. Uh, he was a former offensive lineman for Boston College, and as you've probably heard, he was the often, He also was teammates with Matt Ryan, some guy who plays for the Atlanta Falcons. He also, small little tidbit, was a Bears undrafted free agent who didn't make the team in 2008 which is funny because that was the year they drafted Chris Williams and he couldn't play that season. So you think they need all the offensive line help they can get, but uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just running my mouth now. So after that, he all of a sudden becomes a scout for the Kansas city chiefs under Scott Pioli. 
And that's his career. He's been with the Kansas City Chiefs since 2009. But the thing is, he's been with three different successfully run, for the most part, successfully run regimes. Pioli had a couple good years until it all fell apart. And unfortunately, with that Javon Belcher incident in the parking lot. Then it was followed by John Dorsey, who had Andy Reid with him and Brett Veach. They were all packaged together for a few years, building that team, bringing up guys like bringing in guys like Travis Kelsey and Tariq Hill, uh, trading for and I believe signing at least trading for Alex Smith. You know, for years building that team to the way they wanted it. You know what I mean? And having guys that were going to be future assets for the team. Also, Kareem Hunt, another another guy who was on that. Um, on those Chiefs teams, uh, who was who was drafted by them, so part of a, a front office that not only found talent, but in the in the um, eyes of many, especially with guys like Kelsey, guys like Tariq Hill, even Kareem Hunt, guys who might have been lower graded because maybe a lot of teams didn't see them at certain positions, who they could what develop into the talents that they are. They saw what the big picture was and knew that they could create a new, they had a nucleus within the team, within the facility from front office down to coaching staff, to trainers and what have you to build up players, to be the pieces that they wanted to fit for the future. They knew what they were going to build too. So they always had that plan in place when Dorsey was let go, or I, I don't know if he was ever, I don't know if it was usurped more or less, but all of a sudden John Dorsey was fired from the chiefs in favor of Brett Veach. Now, obviously there was some kind of power struggle. Dorsey's not an easy guy to get along with. If you pay attention to NFL circles, he is very, he is, he's an old school football guy and he acts like an old school football guy. He will probably take on anybody he has to, um, He's a very successful guy, but at the same time, some of his moves kind of make you scratch your head, you know. It's been said that he will draft players that could have a rap sheet, you know, going on for miles. But if they're the best players available, it doesn't really matter. If they can help them win now, that's all they care about. Um, You kind of take the lumps as they come. So Dorsey gets... You know, let go from the Chiefs. Brett Feach becomes the general manager, and in that time, they draft Patrick Mahomes. And... By the time they give the keys to Patrick Mahomes to run the offense, well, you've got a Hall of Fame coach already calling the plays and running the team, and you've got a pretty goddamn good roster built all that time. And it all starts with all these pieces already, and Ryan Poles was a part of all of that. I know I haven't mentioned his name in like two minutes, but there you go. You've got a fully built team, and Ryan Poles has been a part of that all the way up until now, all the way up until Tuesday morning, Okay. He's part of a team and a franchise that has built a team that is going to four straight AFC championship games that is on their way possibly to their third straight Super Bowl. Okay. That's a lot of, that's a lot of success. And it's a lot more, and it's a lot more impressive when you consider he's been there through three different types of bosses. A lot of guys would have been let go or fired or would have followed who hired them in, which in Paul's case was Phil Emery. I know, don't get shaky, but Phil Emery was the coach, uh, was, was the scout that, that hired Poles in. Also, Chris Ballard was a scout that knew Ryan Poles and worked with Ryan Poles with the Chiefs. And he's with the Indianapolis Colts, which kind of gives you the connection now, you know, to Poles and Eberflus. Here's the Colts connection. Along with Polian, although Polian may have had more of a connection to Ballard than he does Eberflus. Um, uh, 
So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of threads uh, jumping across. Before we get to this thing, we got to also talk about at the beginning of this. The Bears fired Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy the same day. I was really, really, really surprised with the Pace firing because there was a lot of speculation that because Pace was so well-liked by um, by uh, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips that he was going to stay regardless, which is, which is crazy. But, you know, sometimes it's not so much about the results. It's about what people think of you. And if your bosses like you and they think you're doing a good enough job, that's all that matters. And, you know, that's all that mattered to George and Ted. So that's, that's, that's where you were at the time. The, um, so they both get fired. Uh, George McCaskey does a horrendous press conference, but he does mention he's got Bill Polian um, working with them in the search committee. And they start, they just start talking to coaching candidates and general manager candidates. And for the most part, it's a pretty wide, expansive uh, net with names like Brian Flores. Uh, Brian Dable was also a part of it. Uh, Dan Quinn, uh, Jim Caldwell. I believe they also, uh, they talked to um, a couple of Colts, uh, front office guys, Morocco Brown and Ed Dodds, a couple of Browns, a Cleveland Brown, Brown, Cleveland Browns uh, front office guys, uh, Monty Ossenfort, who works for the Titans, Quesi uh, Adolfo Mensa, who was just hired yesterday by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he was a Browns guy who I guess the Vikings were in on Ryan Poles, and that's why the Bears kind of jumped in to hire him. Also, I did not know this story, but I guess the Vikings were all in on Justin Fields last year, and whether or not the Bears knew, or if they did know, the Bears leapfrogged them in the draft to get Justin Fields. So yeah, here we are, you know, 13, 14 days into the search and the Bears end up with Ryan Poles, who, you know, is young. He's 36. And Ryan Pace was 37. Um, I think the difference is here is that Poles was liked by a lot of people, as opposed to just being liked by one guy, Ted Phillips. And it didn't just come down to what Ted wanted or what Ted felt comfortable in. If uh, if you happen to read The Athletic, uh, the online sports magazine, uh, which is great to have. I mean, especially if you, you know, there's a lot of great Bears beat writers who write for the, um, the pace thing is crazy because not only was he the last guy spoken to and interviewed, he also, there's a lot of reasons why he was picked. Um, one, because, you know, Mickey Loomis, who's the Saints GM, and I think he's their their president, he knew that Sean Payton wanted Ryan Pace to be the general manager. And actually, this wasn't in the athletic story, but from what I understand, Sean Payton told Ryan Pace not to take the Bears job because he wanted them to work together. And maybe Mickey Loomis was scared of Ryan Pace taking his job because Sean Payton could get the owner's ear and say, hey, you know what, me and Mickey do a nice job, but I'd rather have Ryan Pace. And, you know, when the coach is the one getting you wins, you kind of overlook, you know, owners don't know what they're doing. Case in point, look at the Bears. A lot of owners don't really know what they do. They just, they know how to count the money. You know, the more successful owners understand who they have to hire. Um, The the ones that aren't successful, look at the Jags. Look how bad the Jags are poorly run. 
Shad Khan is a successful businessman, and he should he should count his blessings for that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the 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 pace hiring is crazy. You know, it just and Mickey Loomis, who again uh, is the Saints GM and president or what have you. He he's friends with Ted Phillips and told Ted Phillips to hire Ryan Pace. So of course Ted Phillips already had his predetermined choice, and the only and one of the few other guys who was in uh, who was up there was Chris Ballard, who uh, had applied before and had uh, taken job interviews with the Bears, and was was passed up twice, uh, passed up once in 2012 when they gave it to Phil Emery, and then passed up again in 2015 when they gave it to Ryan Pace. More famously, that one is supposedly he went into the meeting with George McCaskey. George McCaskey said, what do you want to do with this team, Chris Ballard? And he says, I want to be the only one in charge of the football team. I don't want to, re- I don't want to report to Ted, and I want to get rid of Jay Cutler. And supposedly, George McCaskey said, thank you for your time, and that was the end of the meeting. So um, that's how tied to Jay Cutler the Bears were in 2015. Just So put yourself in the, remember how bad the Bears were right after Mark Trestman was fired and right after Phil Emery was fired. And then here comes Ryan Pace. He's got to rebuild all that. It was a no-win situation early on. The problem was is that Ryan Pace never improved enough. And he caught himself in the worst, he kept making the worst mistakes over and over again. You know, and, you know, now it's foreshadowing to look that his very first pick as a draft pick was Kevin White and how bad that went. That should have foreshadowed the rest of his career. It didn't. Did he make some good picks? Yes. But in the end of the day, it's not just the good picks you make now and then. There's a few people. He must have had a shit ton of burner accounts because there's a lot of people on Twitter, you know, saying like, well, his late round picks are good. Well, guess what? You don't win with late round picks all the time. And you got to you got to draft well. You know, you gotta have you gotta have contributors from all over the draft. Your first rounders, your second, your third, all of them, they all have to matter in some way, shape, or form. You know? And that's a lot of the Bears' problem as an organization in all these years is a lot of times they just hire people and luck in and hope to luck in to good fortune. And that's not a good way to run a franchise either. So the one thing, so now that we know all that. And, you know, we're going to the one thing I do want to bring up from George's press conference after Pace and Nagy's firing is that he did say that the new general manager will only report to George. So now here is a quick bridge from George to now Ryan Poles. So George and Cassie, Ryan Poles, those are the two guys that are going to speak to each other. And there will be no Ted meddling that we know of. Not that anybody was promised about. But so far, that's going to be the case. Ryan Poles gets hired on Tuesday and is told, and I've heard from, and I've seen from a lot of people that said that this was his hiring of Eberflus. Um, uh, a good follow on Twitter, if you are on Twitter, is Dub Bears blog. He has been pretty much right on a lot of things. So this is a big hire. Matt Eberflus is a big, big hire. And this has been Poles hiring from the second he got picked up. Now, he, here's where the thing is. Do I love this hiring? And my short answer is, I don't know. Um, I kind of was leaning towards, with the three finalists that they had, I was leaning towards Jim Caldwell a little bit. And I know that sounds, you know, it kind of sounds like you're just drinking just chicken broth with nothing in there. It's just plain chicken broth. But my thought process on it was, if they weren't going to interview anybody else, 
I thought Jim Caldwell was the best representation for what the Bears needed right now, especially with Justin Fields. Here's a guy that got the best out of Matthew Stafford at the time. And this year, Matthew Stafford's numbers are pretty good. Uh, here's a guy that got the best. Here's the guy's got, got really good. Um, you know, he took a team to Super Bowl his very first year as a head coach. It's very hard to do. You know, most teams kind of falter or slow down when they lose their rock. I mean, Tony Dungy was that Colts coach for seven, eight seasons. They won that Super Bowl. I mean, Tony Dungy was synonymous with that team for a long time. And then here comes Jim's, Jim, Cald ugh, Jim Caldwell, and they go to the, the Super Bowl his very first year. It's pretty remarkable. And the players love him, you know, to be as well-liked as he is for a guy who I guarantee most Bears fans, if they really did know, you know, really paid attention to him at all, would say he's pretty much Lovey Smith the sequel, um, especially on the sidelines. And most Bears fans don't want to see that. But so Jim Caldwell was kind of my front runner. Dan Quinn was an intriguing name. He's a name that comes with a lot of positivity as far as the locker room goes. Players love him. Well, guess what? Some players really still like Matt Nagy. Uh, the problem was is that once Kyle Shanahan went away and he hired Steve Sarkeesian, it, it just fell apart in Arizona, in Atlanta, excuse me. And that defense never really got better. They really drafted poorly on defense. Like they were, they were good that Super Bowl year. And it just it just fell apart too. That defense was just never that great. Um, so that was my knock on the Dan Quinn thing. I was kind of trying to talk myself into it, but I got ever, always kept falling back to Jim Caldwell. I'd wish Ryan Poles interviewed someone like a Byron Leftwich. Uh, I, I know everybody says Eric Bieniemy interviews terribly, and I know you don't want Poles just hiring his boy from Kansas City, but. You have to at least, like, if you know him and they're in the building, whether I don't know how often they mingle or not, you know each other. You know that each other exists. You know, he's got to have a good, he's got to have somewhat of a relationship with him. If he didn't think he's good enough, okay, maybe don't interview him. I liked Leftwich. Um, I was huge on the Brian Flores thing. Uh, granted, he basically told uh, uh, the two teams he, you know, and it's weird because he's only interviewed twice. He interviewed once with the Bears and once with the Texans. He hasn't had any second interviews. And the Texans have interviewed Heinz Ward and Josh McCown after they, uh, not hired, but interviewed those guys. I don't know if I said hired. They interviewed those two guys after they interviewed uh, Brian Flores. And Brian Flores has basically been on note saying that he wants. A Deshaun, he wants he either wants Deshaun Watson or he wants a Deshaun Watson type. Um, Brian Dable was another one I know I've mentioned before. Uh, I like what he did with Buffalo, especially with Josh Allen. And if you watch this past Sunday's game against the Chiefs, you have to be, especially if you're a Bears fan or a fan of a team in need of a head coach right now, you have to look at what Dable did and be like, wow, dude, look at what he's done. And, you know, the offense is his. Sean McDermott has said. This is his offense. He built it himself. So it's not like he's taking from somebody else, a.k.a. Matt Nagy, taking his Andy Reid playbook and just trying to instill it into the Bears. You know, he would be a guy that actually knows how to build his own plays. Um, so I like Dable. I'd kind of wish that, you know, uh, Poles had talked to him. So right now on the surface, Ryan Poles is in charge of the Bears. And Matt Eberflus will be his, you know, his his guy. These two will walk in. Uh, they'll probably do a joint, you know, press conference, I'm assuming. 
the big thing is right now is, you know, what kind of team to expect. And Eberflus, the one thing I keep hearing over and over and the one thing I keep seeing, he's had top 10 defenses every year he's been with the Colts as their defensive coordinator. He's uh, also, I think, top 10 in DVOA every single year. DVOA is defensive value over adjustment, which is kind of a, uh, an analytics metrics metric used by um, uh, football outsiders, which is, if you're into that kind of thing, um, basically the value of the defense over the average offense in the NFL. So to be top 10 in that every single season as defensive coordinator is pretty impressive, especially when you consider uh, defenses how they are now in the NFL. And these uh, offenses, I mean, uh, defenses too, because defenses have been kind of neutered in the NFL, but especially with offenses the way they run, you have to kind of be like, that's really impressive. Another thing is his teams have always generated turnovers well, which harkens back to Lovey Smith. And the guy that, the guy that, uh, Matt Eberflus learned the 4-3 defense that he wants to that he does coach now is from Rod Marinelli, who also was a former Bears coach, worked under Lubby Smith. And so here's a couple more connections, a couple more threads to the, the franchise. And I know I'm just kind of I'm just kind of ranting at the moment. So but so We've got connections everywhere. The one thing I do like about Eberflus's resume, and I know I'm just saying so many different, I believe it is pronounced Eberflus. Um, the thing about his resume is he's been coaching since 1992. This isn't Matt Nagy being a coaching intern in 2009 and then becoming the Bears head coach in 2018 with less than one year of offensive uh, coordinating, um, especially play calling. Eberflus has not only been a coach for a long time. He was a coach, uh, a coach's assistant, a graduate assistant at Toledo, which is which is his alma mater. Um, he spent so many years working in Toledo, and then he went to Mizzou with the coach who he worked under in Toledo and was their defensive coordinator for seven or eight seasons. So right there, eight seasons of building a defense, play, you know, play calling, planning, you know, all that stuff. He's done it in a college level. Then he comes to the NFL and is a linebackers coach, which was his position in college. And I think he played a little bit in the NFL or at least tried out linebackers coach for the Cleveland Browns linebackers coach for the D Dallas Cowboys for years. And he did multiple different versions of defense. He worked in a three, four, and then he worked and then he started working in a four, three and jumping over Marinelli said he's one of the smartest guys he's ever met. Now, Rod Marinelli is a freaking psychopath, okay? And I don't mean that. He's he's kind of like the funny, crazy psycho guy. Um, he's weird. I remember Bears players saying days before games, the defense saying that he would, like, show videos of Wild Kingdom, and you'd see, like, these gazelles just getting their bodies ripped apart by lions or something. That's what he'd show the guys to get them, like, ready to go. For for the nights uh, for the next day's uh, matchup, you know, I think I think Erlacher even said he's like it makes me want to go out and like eat someone's face off or something to that effect. <laughs> but they knew he was crazy. Um, so Marinelli said he was a great student of the of the scheme, the four three scheme, and you know it will change some things up if Eberflus wants to change it from the three four, which the Bears have been using the past seven seasons under Ryan Pace to now a four, three. It, it depends. It depends on what um, he and polls have decided on where the defense is going to go. But 
the Bears don't have a talent issue at defense right now. They do have some issues on the defense, but the defense isn't their problem. The problem they're faced right now is to building an offense. And I wonder where Eberflus's mind goes and where, he, where him and Poles agreed on where they want to take this offense because the most important piece right now is number one himself, Justin Fields. And if Eberflus has an idea and an identity of how he wants to run this team, and again, if the one thing the Bears have lacked for a long time, it's an identity, then I can't, then the thing you're going to have to judge Eberflus on in the short term, meaning these next months, up until the draft, is who is his staff going to be? We don't know if there's a Kyle, you know, even before Kyle Shanahan became Kyle Shanahan, when he got hired by the, the Falcons, I don't know if he was that hot of a commodity. He'd worked with his dad for a long time. He worked under Der- Gary Kubiak, who was his dad's right-hand man in Denver for a long time. You know, he called plays under his dad. It's a nice gig when your dad's the boss and you can call the plays. But when he got to Atlanta, Lord knows if he was going to be a good offensive coordinator. It ended up working out. And look at him now. He's in the NFC Championship game again for the first time in three years. You know, in, twice in three years, three seasons. Okay? So, and I mean, he's working with scraps on offense now. He's got Debo Samuel running for him. And it's working. Uh, that defense is also kicking ass again. D'Amico Ryans, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, after watching that performance against the Packers last week, I would have loved to talk for the Bears to talk to D'Amico Ryans. But again, um, I digress. So you want, I, I, I think this is where you're going to judge this hiring in the short term is who is his offensive staff going to be? I'd like to know whose defensive staff is going to be. Uh, it, it's been noted that some people are already saying that maybe he brings Rod Marinelli in to coach defensive line, which is very possible. You know, especially if they go to a 4-3, that changes up Mac and Quinn. Um, it changes up Roquan. You know, it changes up how they use him in the defense. So it's going to be interesting. But the, the main thing now that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have to have to worry about it's not just the only thing, but you have a young quarterback who has shown some promise. Are you going to get the right coaches and teachers in here to nurture that promise, to send him on to the next step? He can't be an all-pro in one year. Maybe he can, okay? But the way the offense is built, he probably won't be an all-pro right away. But can you get the people in, in, the, in the building to make him move to that next level? Someone said that that they would love to see him have a Jalen Hurts type of progression for the next year, you know, of what he accounts for on the office. I like Jalen Hurts. I liked him coming out of of the draft. I think as a player, um, Justin Fields is a lot better than Jalen Hurts, has a lot more tools than Jalen Hurts. But at the same time, if you get 4,000-plus all-purpose yards out of Justin Fields next season – it's not a bad thing. Also, you got to build this offensive line, which if Ryan Poles is, is a good uh, evaluator of offensive line talent, then there you go. Hopefully he can bring on, the, bring on some good uh, bodies in to protect that young investment because guess what? Justin Fields right now is the future. And Ryan Poles you know, and Matt Eberflus, great. They have to make sure that Justin Fields is the one leading them to victory. 
And granted, the four coaches right now in the championships game going into this weekend are all offensive guys. Zach Taylor, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay, all offensive coaching backgrounds. So yeah, saying, oh, well, he's a defensive coach, this and that, fine. But this is just this one year, okay? We're going to see... We're going to have to see where this team goes. Only have five draft picks next year because of Ryan Pace's bumbling. A lot of players coming off of the, the roster because of contracts expiring. Probably not going to get back Allen Robinson. He probably doesn't even want to be here. You know, where is the next, you know, where, what's the next move now? You know, a, a, a thing I'd like to point out is that in the past, you know, the Bears always just seem to grab guys that, you know, especially coaching, coaching staffs and coaching, you know, they always grab guys who had these wild offensive, you know, strategies, but they didn't necessarily have the players there. You got to you got to have those kind of coaches. You got to have those kind of coaches that go, OK, we don't have this, but what we do have is this. And this is how I can best make use of the talent that we have especially with Justin Fields there. I said it a few weeks ago. I think maybe I did. Maybe I want a physical, big, fat guys on the offensive line, pushing dudes up, getting, you know, David Montgomery the ball 15 to 20 times a game. You know, I, I want, you know, vertical routes and all this stuff. I want all of that. Can they do it in one off season? Probably not all of it, but they can try to do something. And if, Eberflus can and Poles because they're both going to work in tandem to get the, the staff that they need. If they both can work in tandem to bring a staff that nurtures Justin Fields, that helps grow the offensive players that they do have left and the ones that they can bring in, you know, and maybe rebuild that offensive line. You know, th- this is you know it'll look up. The future will look better for the Bears. And don't get me wrong, it can work. You can make it work. This isn't Lovey Smith hiring Mike Martz or Matt Nagy hiring, you know, Bill Lazor off the couch because he just wants a guy who's not going to start shit with them. You're going to need coaches that have to push, you know, and th- th- this team's going to need a little bit more discipline. Guess what? It has to happen. There has to be a lot more improvements than just, you know, hiring a guy, you know, bringing a body in. Hopefully Matt Eberflus is the guy. That knows who else that knows who to look for other guys. Matt Nagy was so concerned about his plays that he would not even listen to reason, you know? And and the best way to to, to prove that, I've I've mentioned it twice today, is that Vikings game at the end of the season. Fourth and one on the one yard line, you pulled David Montgomery to the sidelines to run some stupid play with Andy Dalton throwing the ball and then he gets sacked 20 yards back. Come on, man. I mean, you know you're losing your job. Don't you even just want to try to win? He wants to win his own way. You know, and I think that's that's a tough pill to swallow with some guys. I remember Vic Fangio saying offensive coordinators were were freaking were freaking psychopaths to him. And I mean, <laughs> look no further than Matt Nagy and Mark Tressman and Mike Martz, who I still hate to this day. I hate Mike Martz. I hate you, you dumb old bastard. You know. Just these freaking psychos who just refuse to see the game in front of them and call it the right way. You know, I'm hoping that you can, you know, as a head coach, you hire the people that can see that big scope, you know, can see the big picture ahead of them, but can also see the one in front of them because that's, and Ryan Poles too. 
You know, I haven't talked enough about Ryan. You know, I hope Ryan Poles can see, hey, we've got five draft picks. We can make him the best five draft picks of the draft, or we could trade down and get more draft picks and get, you know, get depth in certain areas. We might not get the best players. I say keep expectations low. This was a six-game, six-win team this past season. If you get nine wins, would you be upset? That's the question you got to ask yourself. I think right now in the short term and the tentative, if they can put a few, if they can get the, the staff they want and get the players that they want, barring injuries, you know, barring a lot of things, maybe they win nine. Maybe they get nine. I could see nine. And I know that's that's the Bears, you know, magic number. Eight wins, nine wins. You know, I'm smiling right now thinking about it. But there's a lot of change coming to the NFC North as well. Maybe Aaron Rodgers, you know, retires or goes away. The rumor this morning is that now that Nathaniel Hackett's with the uh the Broncos that he's gonna lure <laughs> Aaron Rodgers there. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is dumb, which he's proven this past year he is, dumber than he's ever been. Uh, that that could be a possibility. I don't know why you'd want to go to a division where Patrick Mahomes is already the best quarterback with Justin Herbert, you know, galloping up, you know, getting only going to get better. Hopefully, um, you know, I wonder why that that why would you do that? Uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is the king of the NFC North. You know, he loves beating on teams that aren't good enough. Guess what? The NFC North is going to be next year. You know, it's going to be like the Ukraine. It's going to be a sitting duck, <laughs> all right? The NFC North is weak. You know, the Lions probably won't get much better. You know, maybe they'll win a few more games. Maybe they'll win six games. Who, who knows? They could win eight games. You never know. But maybe they'll probably win a few games because they are who they are. The Vikings are going to win eight to ten games, Then you know, because Kirk Cousins is there and he's already got a stacked team, you know. And the Bears, who knows what they'll do. But I guarantee Aaron Rodgers, unless he straight up retires, he is not going to Denver. I cannot see that. And I don't see him going to the NFC West either. So maybe uh, I'm not even going to get in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes because I don't care where he goes. If he leaves the NFC North, good riddance. Goodbye, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Goodbye, but fuck you. <laughs> I will not. We This show... The Nico and Chris Bears postgame wrap-up podcast show will not miss you. So thank you for listening to the rant. Um, I think I might have had some cohesive and cogent thoughts. I doubt it after about five good minutes. I can't even remember what I said after the first 10 minutes. So uh, I appreciate you listening. That was the Nico and Chris Bears postgame wrap-up podcast show just featuring Nico and Chris is busy with work and some, you know, some family stuff. He's got, uh, he's got a new baby coming soon. So that, that, that could be any day now, the new baby's showing up. So he's a little bit busy and I, you know, I got his permission to do this show on my own and, uh, I'm uh, happy he, uh, wasn't too upset that, uh, I was doing it. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening. Make sure to check out the show at NNC Bearscast on Twitter and on Instagram and please listen to the show on anywhere you find podcasts search for nico and chris that's where you'll find us there especially on the especially on anchor.fm and uh, where i record it on the anchor app which you can do yourself as i've done today and uh really glad that we're with anchor and not that other one the whatever omatic um again thanks for listening uh bear down